0: There is a tendency when we pick a passage of Scripture to preach through or announce the story of the passage to think, man, I've heard this so many times, what is there new to learn? And I'm telling you, when you get to that point in your Christian life, you'll stop growing because the Holy Spirit may want to say something to you today that you haven't thought about before, or maybe uh, with a, a different aspect of this service. And I think it, it's good to just say, Lord, teach me, teach, teach me a, a new truth. Teach me something else from this passage that, that I'm, I've been missing or that I need to be reminded of this morning on this Father's Day Sunday. The title of the message is Come and See, Go and Tell. That simply means when you give your life to Christ, The Christian life is more than Sunday morning for an hour or two. That simply means when you become a Christian, God called you to himself. The Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, and you responded. But the Christian life doesn't stop the day you got saved. You settled life's greatest question, where will you go? When you die, you've answered Christ. You've said yes to Jesus, But the Christian life is to be lived out. So when you give your life to Jesus, it's not just come and see, it's go and tell. And you see that throughout Scripture. So our passage this morning, really the the main passage is going to be 27 to 42 in John 4, but I want to walk us down to it if it's okay. As we look at this story one more time of Jesus and the woman from Samaria. Now, what makes this story so interesting is the relationship the Jews had with the Samaritans. They, they viewed them as half-Jews. So, in essence, Tony Evans, listen to this. He said, in essence, what you see in this passage is prejudice because it really surfaces. But let me tell you who it doesn't surface from. Jesus. You see, when he looks at you and when he looks at me today, he's not looking at the color of my skin. He's looking at my heart. And when Jesus died on Calvary, I believe the Bible says he died for God so loved the world. And friends, I'm telling you, that invitation to come to Christ is still available. The Holy Spirit still calls. But we learn so much in his interaction with this woman From Samaria. Let's pick it up with verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I want you to circle living water because this morning I want to remind you that Jesus Christ can do something for you that nobody else can. You can't find it in a church service. You can't find it in perfect attendance in Sunday school throughout the year. You find it in a relationship with the one, listen, whom your heart is searching for. And I love the fact that uh, we sang a song, uh, His Goodness is Running After Me. It's running after me. I mean, when was the last time someone ran after you? I think it was about 1978 when Renee was trying to lasso me. Folks, listen. Listen. The Holy Spirit of God pursues us. You'll say, well, Greg, how does he do it? Well, first of all, he does it through conviction. Conviction. And maybe when you come to worship, when you come to church, you sense, is that God drawing me, or, or what am I hearing? What am I thinking? Folks, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit still speaks. And, and for me, conviction isn't really pleasant. What do you mean? It's painful. It's like surgery. Uh, you know, you know I, I talk big about your surgery when I'm with you at the hospital. When I'm the one on the bed, I, I'm, I'm thinking, there ain't no minor surgery when it comes this way. Are you guys with me? So what, what takes place in surgery? A scalpel. Well, if it's that kind of surgery. A scalpel. A cut, a scar. healing. And, and, and I love the fact when you think about Jesus, uh, if you have your outline this morning, uh, here's some things that are going to help us walk down to verse 27 and 28. Jesus begins the conversation with a request. We see that in verse 7. Give me a drink. Give me a drink. How simple can it be? Listen, what is the Lord asking you this morning? what is he asking you for? What is he requesting from you? Uh, for some, he's asking your time. Give me some time. Give me your talent. Give me your treasure. For some, he's saying, trust me with your soul. Amen? But he simply makes a request for a drink of water, and I have a feeling Even though Scripture doesn't lay it out clearly here, I have a feeling his request for a drink from her is already stirring her mind and her heart how different this encounter is. Also in this text, his disciples are not with him. Do you know, here's a thought from your preacher this morning, maybe they're not with him, because of the prejudice they have in their own heart. And it might be an obstacle. It might be an obstacle to her. And, and Jesus has her attention. And now the conversation through one request has taken them to communicate with each other, and they do it honestly. Honestly. Have you ever realized that when the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit may choose something simple in your life, something practical, like a drink of water? And I believe this conversation, Jesus is preparing her for her journey as she encounters the life-changing love of Christ. Now, I'd like to say that Christians are always loving and always show grace and always show mercy. Not always the case, is it, church? Sometimes when I read what preachers write each other on social media, it's almost as if, are we even on the same team? Folks, be reminded the grace of Jesus Christ is the life changer. When you meet Christ and recognize his death, burial, and resurrection were for you, you receive something you could never create or make happen on your own. Now, the story continues, and Jesus continues uh, to talk and speak and instruct. Let's look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would, have been, he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Amen. You'd circle it right there. She's starting to move the right direction. She starts asking questions. And I know questions make us uncomfortable in life But don't ever, listen, don't ever think that the Holy Spirit of God cannot handle a good, tough question. Folks, the Word of God has stood the test of time. Amen? And while I may not have the answer, the Lord has the answer. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying to a a world that's in culture shock and don't know which end's sticking up, let me tell you something. Bring it on. The Word of God can handle it. Jesus answers in 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him, listen, remember I told you it's a living a life for God, it's not just praying a prayer and that's it, listen, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst and come here to draw. And then I believe Jesus gives her a test. You ready? Verse 16, go call your husband and come here. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband. And she doesn't even answer the question. He does. For you've had five, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Hey, you can circle that. I think she's starting to get it. I think she's starting to get it. I believe verse 16 is a test. Jesus already knew about her life. He simply asked her to be honest. And she responds. And now Jesus has something to work with here. Folks, I'm telling you, you're never going to have a relationship with Christ unless you get honest about who you are. You say, Brother Greg, I've, I've made some mistakes. I've made some things, decisions in the past. If I could go back, I'd, I'd not do it. I wouldn't do it the same way. I regret it. I'm sorry for it. Let me tell you something. That's the place you begin. God can handle that. God can handle that. I mean, quit living beneath your privilege this morning. There's a cross that's real and a Savior who died on it. And if Jesus Christ can forgive you, can we not forgive ourselves? You'll say, I'm ashamed of my past. Listen, Jesus died for my past and your past. And the good news is, you check it at the foot of the cross. You don't have to lug it around everywhere you go. A few weeks ago, Renee went, went on a trip. And we, and you know, we, we don't travel too much apart. And she flew and somehow, my sister Sheila got in her idea that, hey, my bags are free, or I have one. Let's you and I combine on this trip, Renee. So Renee went in early, and they, they took this big suitcase, and, and, and Sheila has a scale, so it was right under 50, and that's a pretty heavy suitcase, if you really think about it. 30 pounds on suitcase, heavy. So they, they, they loaded it, but that wasn't the funny thing. The funny thing was what Renee was gonna carry on it was a carry-on bag, but it had uh, expandable p- pockets. <laughs> and when she showed me this, I said, boy, I wish I had a camera to watch you try put that in an overhead bin. <laughs> Folks, listen, when you give your life to Christ, you can check that stuff at the foot of the cross. And for some of us, we just keep lugging it around. And the good news is, uh, in this conversation, Would we not agree that the woman at the well, who's unnamed, had a pretty hard time of figuring out what a good man looked like? And right now, Jesus is saying, you're still not committed. You're just test driving. Now, I want everybody to listen to me clearly. I want every single person to listen to me clearly Living together outside of marriage is not God's plan for you. You said, Brother Greg, we just want to get to know each other. Well, statistics are your marriage is not any more secure than somebody who, who knows each other well. Uh, bro, bro, brother Greg, uh, I, I just, I, we're just not ready for it. but well, don't give me that. And... If you're living together and you come to me and say, Brother Greg, we'd like to get married, and I'm gonna say, praise the Lord, and you say, let's, we'd like to get married in 2023, my counsel is going to be, let's get married in 2022. Show me you're committed. And I can assure you, the married couples in this room that have been married a long time, there's not one thing easy about staying married for a long time. There comes a lot of compromise. There comes a lot of, of A hundred in, not we'll just do this 50-50 thing. So the conversation begins with a request. And here's what I love about Jesus and the woman at the well. When you look at verse 16 and 17, Jesus said, go call your husband. He already knows everything about her. Number two, God knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. And the conversation turns to worship. He says, those that worship me, it's not about worshiping on the mountain where you Samaritans worship. It's not about worshiping in Jerusalem where the Jews worship. Real worship is worshiping in spirit and in truth. Remember last week? You make a choice whether or not you worship the Lord. There was expectation because the woman at the well says, well, when the Messiah comes, hey, listen to me, she's looking right at him. And there's declaration. Jesus says, I am who you're talking to right now. I'm telling you, folks, all some of you need to have is a conversation with Jesus. And I'm telling you, your life can be forever changed. Why? Because he knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. Uh, There's a little thing sometimes I read about mothers, and uh, it talks about how moms really say crazy things. Like, would you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? You get it? Don't you know, I know when you're cold? Close your mouth and eat your dinner. Those things can't happen at the same time. But folks, I'm telling you, when you think about Jesus, he knows us. And he knows what we need. So they're... Their conversation turns to worship. Now, look at verse uh, 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Number three, the target of worship must be clear. The target of worship must be clear. And the Bible says salvation is of the Jews. Don't let that confuse you. The Bible tells us that the promised Savior would come into the world as a member of the line of David in the tribe of Judah. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. We're talking about Jesus. Amen? Jesus. And then he goes on to say, verse 24 God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you really want to worship the Lord, it doesn't matter how many hands you raise or what posture you take, folks. It begins in your heart. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will teach us and tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Number four, God is seeking true worshipers. True worshipers. All in. And Jesus may be standing right in front of you this morning and you don't even know it. say, Brother Greg, I, I enjoy worship here. I don't enjoy invitations. Why? Could it be that the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with your heart? And folks, let's just lay this out there with so many churches not even given an invitation, that breaks my heart. If you're here today and I had cancer, found out you had the same kind of cancer, I was healed of my cancer, I would make a beeline to your house to tell you and give you the prescription for how I was healed. We see a simple conversation may lead somebody to ask a question about the faith that's in your heart. And why Jesus means so much to you. Now let's transition to verse 27. Come and see, go and tell. If you're with me so far, say amen. And at this point, his disciples came. Isn't it just like Jesus to keep them back, keep them away uh, until he could accomplish his purpose? The Bible says he came, or they came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Let me tell you something. They didn't interrupt Jesus. And sometimes it's better not to say anything than think I need to add my two cents. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city. Here it is. Circle this. And said to the men, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? Now, I believe, I don't believe she left her water pot as an afterthought. Her mission at the well was to get water. I believe we see a little bit of what's now the priority in her life. Come and see, go and tell. Do you remember? Do they still have a show and tell in grade school and kindergarten and things like that? Yesterday we were at a ball game and I heard Jordy and his buddies cackling high, laughing, and I thought, what in the world? And then all of a sudden I heard them say, they found a frog, they found a frog. And guess who, guess who, what? Go and tell. Look at this, Paul, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, put it up, get rid of it. And don't put it in a place where somebody's going to step on it. Hey, sometimes you can't help but, but share things you're excited about. Maybe we're not going and telling because we've lost the excitement of coming and seeing. I want to tell you something, folks. The older I get, the longer I'm your pastor. The sensationalism stuff of worship and all that's fine for some folks. But I believe we live in a culture that don't know the basics. We've got to to introduce them. Listen to me to pinto beans and fried potatoes and cornbread gospel. Now, for those of you who are saying, what? That's just country cooking. And when you don't know what you want and, and what sounds good, Boy, back at home, or Renee, just that sounds fine to me. The basics. The basics. For him, used to sing a song, Cody, called The Basics of Life. Do you all remember that? We need to get back to the basics of life a heart that is pure and a love that is right, a faith that endures all time, the hope that endures all time, the basics of life. Well, we continue on. Come see a man. And the Bible says, circle this, they went out, who did? The men. They went out to the city and came to him. Number five. When you wonder what Jesus is up to, remember their question was, what, why is he talking to a woman from Samaria? He knew how long to keep the religious guys away. Why is he doing that? And when they got there, they couldn't say anything. You see, the why in the life of Jesus was always in the Father's will. His ministry, his life always pleased the Father. And in our life, there's gonna be plenty of whys. Why did this happen? Why did it not happen? Where We're not gonna understand. The Bible says now we see through a mirror, we see dimly. But then one day we'll know will understand it's okay okay to question God. But ultimately, you will find the answer in Christ and Christ alone. He'll be there with you. He'll be there with you. And some of you this morning can testify that God has walked me through the darkest valley of my life. He's walked with me. Uh, When I've hurt so bad, I didn't think I could breathe. He is faithful. And even though uh, the the song we sang... um, His goodness is running after me. I've let him down, but he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful. Number six, when Jesus comes into your life, the priority of things become clear. I want to insert a word here. When Jesus comes into your life, the priority of things should be clear. Maybe sometimes in our life we're so busy and we got so much many things competing for our attention. We don't know what to do. Let's use a television example. Uh, in Dayton, growing up, we had two seven, and then finally they got twenty-two. And if you had a good antenna, you could get five and nine out of Cincinnati. Uh, what are you saying, brother Greg? And also sixteen uh, PBS, but I, I never wanted to watch that growing up. What are you saying? Those were the options. If some of you can remember that, let, let's start here. Can anybody in this room remember when you got a colored TV for the first time? Raise your hand. Wow, okay. How many of us can say, i remember when, listen to me, young people, there was no cable, no satellite, no Wi-Fi TV, okay? Everybody with their hand up right now would be considered old. But you know what's happened? Sometimes we get so many options. Listen to me. I'll just use Renee and I as an example. We pay a lot of money and still look at only the same channels. Options sometimes can crowd out priority. It, it's like going on a youth camp need a, or mission trip. If you give the kids options, folks, they want options. But if you want to be efficient, you eliminate options. You say, everybody's going to eat at McDonald's. Phyllis, remember those days? That doesn't make you Mr. Popular, but sometimes options can distort the mission. She goes into town, and who does she find? Listen, the men. What's that all about? If we're going to see God move in the life of this church, men, you've got to lead. You've got to take the lead in your home. You've got to take the lead in your marriage. If you're here and you're single, you've got to take the lead in your life for the glory of God. And the Bible says they come, they come. They, they see something about her. And, and, and I can't help but think that somebody who's been known, uh, married five times is not known by some others who she is, but they see something. She says, could this be the Christ? And they follow her back. She didn't forget her water pot. She left it there. Why? Because when Jesus comes into your life, listen to me, the priority of things become clear. Let's wrap it up. One of the disciples says, Rabbi Eat, 32, He says to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Do you get cranky when you don't eat? Uh, Renee would would point at me like, we didn't eat. Um, One of our grandsons is consumed with three meals a day, which, which is healthy. But the other day, they like slept in till 10.30, and they thought they would do like a brunch. And he goes, we haven't had breakfast. We haven't had breakfast. Uh, Jesus doesn't panic. He doesn't change. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're ready and white for harvest. Look at me. We're we're, we're about done. Don't be a someday life Christian. Don't be or don't live a someday life as a Christian. What are you saying, Brother Greg? That's exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples. We know that harvest isn't until later, but I'm telling you, open up your eyes. It's white on the harvest right now. You see, the story of Jesus is come and see, go and tell. And I'm telling you, folks, there's urgency in the message. Lives are forever changed. He says, lift up your eyes. Quit putting it off. What are some things you're putting off in your life today? Maybe it's an appointment. I just received word. I've got my annual wellness visit coming up. Well, I'm praying I get well between now and July 7th. I can tell you that right now. Let's put that off a little bit. He says, no, wake up, lift up your eyes. It's it's white under harvest now. Folks, listen to me. The, The period in which we're living today, you say it's the most antagonistic against Christianity in history. It may be. But the same God of the Bible and the same Holy Spirit that lives in you, the same God who lives in you and gives you breath, is quite capable of doing whatever he wants here on earth. And he might just want it to start with a simple conversation. Would you give me a drink? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father.